Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. I'm thankful for a lot of things today. I'm thankful that some of our families who have been out of commission a little bit because of COVID are back. Um, We're beginning to see some of those uh, trickle back in. Many of you know we had um, our our families that uh, some of our students that were at camp had an issue and um, are coming back healed. Nobody was hospitalized and everybody's doing well and we're grateful to God for that. One of the things I'm grateful for, we we got to see on stage today, uh, is just the way that... um, uh, Kyler uh, Campbell, who gives leadership to our worship ministry, and, and, and Gabby Zapata, uh, who works in our students' uh, worship ministry, just keep uh, seeing what God is doing in the lives of our students and lifting them up to lead worship. And it just, I started to say it wrecks my heart. I guess it does in some ways. Just, it just brings me such great joy to watch that happen. Um, our young people being raised up to, to serve the Lord, to, to, to worship, to lead us to worship our great God and King. And that brings me great joy. There's something else today that brings me great joy. And, um, and that is we have a special guest with us. She's been with us before. It's been several years ago. Um, back in one of the, the great blessings that God brings to River Bluff and has for as long as River Bluff has been a church is, is God invites us into ministry opportunities and to what he's doing, and then we get to join him. And so if you've never really taken time to walk down our main hallway, there's a display on our main hallway that just kind of points out when God said, would you join me in what I'm doing? And we, in that moment, said yes. It was one of those moments where we were a little smarter than we are sometimes, and we, we said yes, God, and God did beautiful things. And one of those took place back in... 2015, uh, God invited us into a unique partnership uh, with Oak Brook Elementary School, and we have been partnering together, serving our community, uh, and I'm very, very grateful for it personally. It's impacted my life, and we have with us today the, uh, the team leader, the, the, um, the, the principal of Oak Brook Elementary School, Kim Boot, and Kim, I'm going to ask you if you would come and, and join us. Today. Yeah, welcome, Kim. Certainly. Kim, I, I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we're excited to get to see you again and, and for you to be here with us. We, we thank God for the partnership. I'm uh, um, just grateful for it. I, I know I want to give you opportunity to speak anything the Lord may put on your heart. So go ahead. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here this morning. I always love being here and speaking with um, each and every one of you. I'm here. I brought um, my son Dawson with me this morning. So thank you for having us. Um, But I wanted to thank you because throughout these several years, there have been many ways that this church has really helped and blessed our staff and faculty as well as our students at Oak Brook. And so, um, you know, they would have lined the stage with me if they could have, but we just want you to know how grateful we are for all that you do for us. Amen. Now, there there are lots of uh, 
ministry partnerships and opportunities that we've had to kind of come uh, into your domain, and you have blessed us with, with the opportunity to do that. One of those that I want us to think specifically about this morning is Reading Buddies, um, because we're, you're launching a new year of Reading Buddies. So I would love for you, because not everybody knows, love for you to just share a little bit about what Reading Buddies is and kind of how it works and how our folks can connect into something like that. Absolutely. So, you know, last year we had to kind of change things a little bit, and flexibility is definitely the word of these past couple of years. Um, and so, you know, right now we have, uh, with the with the way things are, we have been able to invite um, limited volunteers into our building that would be scheduled, of course. Um, the district does a great job of um, updating the protocol and make sure that everybody is safe, as our students as well as our staff and um, all of our families because that obviously is our very top priority. Uh, but what Reading Buddies is, is it's a program where um, people volunteer and they're able to work with a student or two a week um, for about 30 minutes and they really just help them develop the love of reading um, as well as be a, um, an additional cheerleader or supporter for our students so that they um, gain not only that academic skill but the confidence as well. Amen. Now, what kind of uh, planning do uh, reading buddies, the adult reading buddies, have to do in order to, to be ready for uh, a reading event, uh, a moment up at the school? So different people do different things, um, but ultimately our teachers do the majority of the planning. So really you just come with an open heart and um, a love of, of kids. Um, but, you know, we let our volunteers decide what age level they'd like to work with because different people have different comfort levels based on um, maybe experiences you have. And so um, the teachers will plan for the students because they know them best. But basically what it's looked like in the past is there may be a bucket with, um, you know, letters where you can do letter sounds or a book that you can read and just talk with the students about. Um, some of our older students, um, the, the volunteers that work with our older students will have, um, you know, novels that they'll read with them. Um, but really, it's just a matter of coming in and just wanting to be there. Okay. Amen. Now, there's there's training involved in this. You're not you don't just throw us into the shark pit. <laughs> that would not sound good to call it a shark pit. You do, we, we don't walk in aimlessly, not knowing what we're going to do. There's a training that's that's involved in that. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's like? Right. So, um, Kat Watson is our Title I facilitator. She's also our reading coach, and she is an amazing individual. Um, and so, she does a training, and I believe it's going to be August 22nd uh, from 2.30 to 3.30, uh, where she just kind of talks a little bit about what Reading Buddies involves. Of course, the district has a volunteer form um, that people fill out, and there's a screening process with that as well, um, just to ensure safety for everyone. But if you are interested in something, um, just even finding out more about what Reading Buddies is, um, you definitely can come to that training. I will be there as well. Um, and um, it's, it's an amazing opportunity, not just for the kids, but it really um, brightens your day as well because they love to see, um, you know, people encouraging them and believing in them. Amen. 
One of, we had the opportunity to talk beforehand about one of the first kids that I had the privilege of, of being a reading buddy for um, is now out of Oak Brook Elementary School. I think I picked him up when he was in kindergarten, and, uh, and he's gone on to uh, bigger and better things, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity that I had in that moment with that, that young man's life. Now, um, Carol Fluhardy. Carol, will you stand up and smile and wave at everybody? Yep. Yay, Carol. <laughs> Carol is the reading buddy coordinator on our end of things here at River Bluff. So if you uh, want to make connection or contact and have questions, you can contact uh, Carol. And I heard you say something that I think is important. The training on the 22nd is not, is not a commitment. It can be an yeah. investigation. They can just Absolutely. come and say... I want to know what I'm signing on the dotted line for. Yeah. And absolutely. And again, you know, we are, you just aren't sure of how things will go. And, you know, things change constantly. And so um, we were very lucky to be able to adapt our program a little bit last year when, um, you know, we aren't allowed to have volunteers into the building where we had something called writing buddies. And so the kids still had somebody rooting them on and encouraging them. And so no matter what the year brings, um, um, we just hope we can still have that partnership to yes. provide that additional support for our kids. Amen. Now, one, one of the other things that we have done uh, and are continuing to do is, uh, is try to bless teachers and, and staff at the beginning of the year. And um, so it's not too late to do that. Uh, you can still get involved in helping purchase a bag of supplies for a teacher and then committing to pray for them, all you got to do as soon as the service is over, head down the B hallway into the ministry center, and uh, and select a teacher's name or a staff member's name. And uh, it's another way that you you don't actually have to go on school campuses, but another way that you can bless and and love and and care for um, our, our partners uh, there at Oak Brook. Uh, we had to make some modifications last year, not only in reading buddies um, to writing buddies, but uh, oftentimes we'll try to prepare meals for our teachers to kind of celebrate special days and those kinds of. things things. And last year we had to do kind of drive by and throw food. No, we didn't throw food, <laughs> but delivery. We still appreciate it. <laughs> it was uh, kind of a contactless uh, right, exchange right. there. And um, so we're hoping to, to can, can you speak to right now to what kind of kind of personal or, or safety protocols that will be in place when school starts back and how Reading Buddies kind of meshes in that? So the district um, has already updated our protocol and really we're maintaining a lot of the same safety protocol as we did last year, um, you know, for our student safety, but also the safety of our families as well. And so um, currently right now, you know, masks aren't mandated. Um, they are strongly encouraged, but we will take students and, fa and families, however they come, I'm happy to have everybody just back in our building. Uh, but uh, as we're still going to maintain our social distancing, you know, and continue to encourage our social distancing. But what Reading Buddies has looked like in the past is we will have a space for our Reading Buddy and our student um, so that they can work. And again, contact tracing, we're still doing that, make sure that we know who is with what where. And so that's the scheduling um, of our Reading Buddies or any volunteers in our building. So really it's maintaining that safety for everyone. Amen. Now, one of the things that these folks love to do is to pray for the work that God has invited us into. And so we want to we wanna pray for you, um, not just in this moment, but continually. And we want to pray for your, your staff and faculty and, and the students and families that are connected um, at, at Oak Brook. And so how would you say... 
pray for us this way? Because there's people not in the building who are watching um, who will pray as well. And so how would you just encourage us to pray for you guys? I would just say, please continue to pray for just the health and safety of all of the students and families and um, staff members, um, and just continue to have us lead our students, not only academically, but, um, you know, to become confident, lifelong learners. Amen. Well, I want to do that now. I want to pray for you and for your staff and uh, for uh, God's blessing. Let me do that. Father God, I just, I come giving thanks to you for our dear friend and, and sister, uh, our partner in working, God, in your beautiful world here in, uh, Lord, just in the, the area that you've given us at Oak Brook Elementary School. I thank you for the partnership, God. I thank you for the good things that you have done over the years, and we're looking forward to even more. And so I come, God, in Jesus' name, asking you to bless Kim. Bless her in her leadership. Bless her, her family, God. Protect them. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy, God. I pray for her leadership as she seeks to lead her, the, the, the staff and the faculty, the teachers, uh, God, at, at Oak Brook Elementary School. I, I pray for their safety and their health. I, I pray, God, for your blessings upon them. Uh, I, I pray for the families that are impacted, the children's lives that are lifted up, and, uh, God, a place that they can come to be valued, and shown that there is a, a way that leads to life. I, I pray for that now. I pray that you will help them. I pray for the work, God, that you were doing in the hearts and minds of teachers on that campus, there, that special group that gathers to pray weekly. And God, that you would just continue to do good and beautiful and, and marvelous things uh, on the campus of Oak Brook Elementary. And, and God, thank you again for blessing us with the opportunity to just be in partnership, God, to, to serve them, to serve with them and love gave and other ministry opportunities in the community. God, it, it's just been great to become partners. And, and God, I just want to, again, thank you and give you glory for it because we know you orchestrated it. You gave us invitation and, and we've all been blessed. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Kim, thank you very much. God thank bless you. For having you. Me. Yeah, yeah, if you want to just sit that microphone in that chair. Um, Kim uh, and her son and Carol had to endure the first service. So we're releasing them so that they don't have to uh, you know, do that a second time. Hopefully, it, she told me it wasn't just enduring. So. <laughs> um, I thought she was sitting down. I'm thinking, she, she's a glutton for punishment. I gave her an escape. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them, open them to, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 in just a minute. Acts chapter 10. Um, today, I want to talk uh, with us and help us think together out of God's word um, about doing good, about doing good. And uh, some of you may remember uh, an old story, it's been around for a while, uh, about, about two brothers, uh, uh, their names were Bob and Al, I, I think is the way I heard the story. And um, these guys, these brothers, they did nothing good for anybody. They lived in this Midwestern town, and uh, they, were, um, they were scoundrels. Uh, they were the most selfish men anyone in that town had ever met, uh, and in fact, Many thought of them as just kind of evil. 
On top of this, they were very wealthy and they used their wealth to kind of take advantage of people, to cover up their wickedness, to kind of hide by doing bribes and payoffs and those kinds of things. And for the purpose of deception, they even went to church regularly. They regularly attended their local, local church. And um, eventually, the, the, the pastor who had been there for years, who knew the truth about him, he retired. And this new young pastor came in, and it really didn't take him very long. He had the gift of discernment. He, he saw through these, these brothers pretty quickly. Not long after this young pastor had been uh, on the scene, uh, a storm came through the, the town and destroyed their, their children's building. Um, just kind of wrecked it, and it wasn't going to be able to be used. They couldn't actually go into it. And so they had to engage into kind of a fundraising financial campaign to get this building restored. So they started raising money. And right in the middle of this financial capital gains kind of thing, they, they, Bob died. And his brother uh, met with the pastor to plan his, you know, his, his brother's funeral. Al came in to meet with the pastor and when Al walked in without saying a word, the first thing he did was uh, the pastor went to shake his hand and what, what Al did was he extended a check. And the pastor just kind of looked at it and then took it and realized the check was in the exact amount, it was made out to the church in the exact amount of what it was going to cost to pay off the building. Just he gave it off. And as he went to reach for it, the pastor did, Al held on to it said one condition, at my brother's funeral tomorrow, you've got to say that Bob was a saint. So the pastor kind of held it for a minute, he went ahead and took the check and he sat down and then a smile came on his face and he said, I'll do it. And so um, as soon as the meeting was over, he took the check to the only bank in town. Everybody had to use the same bank. He took, took the check to that bank. He told the teller, he said, I want to make sure there's enough money in this account to cover this check and transfer these funds immediately into our account. And so the teller did that. And so the next day, the pastor is, is doing this, this service. And he starts out by telling the truth about Bob, that he was a scoundrel that he cheated on his wife. He abused his kids and then finally abandoned his family. He stole a business from a business partner. He had done nothing good and decent in his entire life. I mean, he was just worthless, a horrible man. This preacher just went on and on. And when he came to the end of that section of his message, he concluded it by, by saying it this way. Bob was this no good, rotten, dirty scoundrel. But compared to his brother, Bob was a saint. Now, when we think about doing good, yeah, I know it was an old, some of you are saying, I've heard that. Yeah, I know you have. But it's fun. And it illustrates that God has called us to more than kind of faking our way through through doing good. There is, there is this something in our world that looks to goodness as it, is, as it unfolds. And so I want us to focus on, on that this morning. And I want us to focus on just one verse from Acts chapter 10. Now Acts chapter 10, it's gonna be verse 38 if you wanna get there. Acts chapter 10 is this incredible story 
Uh, I would encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter. It's this incredible account where God actually transforms the heart of the apostle Peter and deals with racism that is rooted deep in the heart of the apostle. God pulls it out like a poison, like, like venom being pulled out of the apostle's heart. And he also blesses greatly this, this Roman centurion. He's a captain of the elite Italian uh, branch of the Roman army. And he comes to know good news about Jesus. And it's also a really unique um, uh, sermon. It's a, Peter shares this kind of message, this sermon, uh, in seven sentences. And I know some of you are thinking, well, Joe, are you going to do that? Just seven sentences? No, I've already gone over that already. So it's not going to be that short, but it, it is going to be a little shorter than maybe, maybe normal. This, this is what I want us to, to look at today. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I want us to look at this one verse, but then I want us to really focus our attention on five words. It says this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he, speaking about Jesus, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is the, the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to your word this morning. We come to see the life of our Lord Jesus. We come, God, desiring for it to transform our hearts and minds into his image, that we might be more like him. Those of us who have received the gift of salvation through his precious sacrifice, Jesus, through your sacrifice, we come saying we want all of you. We, we sang it earlier. We want to make room in our lives for you. So we want to make room in our lives to follow you, to become like you, to experience life in your kingdom, and to distribute that life where we live, work, and play. Speak to us. Convict us. Convince us, Holy Spirit. Have your way here now. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Now, before we focus on this verse, I want to remind you of something else that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Peter to write. Um, in one of his letters, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21... Peter writes these words. He said, for God called you. He's talking to the church. God called you to do good. And then it says he, speaking of Jesus, he is your example. And you must follow in his steps. So we're going to look at Jesus doing good. But remember, we're being called to follow in his steps. And there's a specific kind of good that Jesus went about doing, a specific way that his goodness got expressed, and we're called to do, to follow in his steps, to do the kind of good that Jesus did. So I want us to follow Jesus into this good that he did when he walked among us, and I want to do it by looking at those five words. He went about doing good. Straight out of Acts 10, 38, those five words, he went about doing good. And I want us to, to break each one of those words down and think about what they mean. What they say, what, what's the message there? And so here's the first word, is he. And what that tells me is Jesus did good personally. He did good personally. Jesus, yes, he taught others to do good. He taught his disciples, his followers to do good. But his life and ministry was filled. It was marked by the good that Jesus himself 
did. Now, Jesus in his day was known as the greatest teacher. I still believe he's the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth. And he was known in that day as one who taught with authority, unlike the other teachers of the law. He was one that was, was thought of and seen and known as one who was blessed of God uh, in, in, in his teaching. But one of the other things that set Jesus apart from the other teachers of the law in that day was his ministry was marked by doing good. Everywhere he went, Jesus did good for others. And it wasn't just the healings. A lot of times we think the only good that Jesus did, you know, was kind of the healing thing. Now remember, go back to, to, to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Peter trying to tell Cornelius who this Jesus is. And Peter thought it was so important to know this, that Jesus went about doing good and healing. There was this Good that Jesus did. In addition to that, there was this healing. Now, healing was good as well, but it wasn't just healing that Jesus did where he worked good. The gospel writer John tells us, in fact, that the good that Jesus did was so vast. Look at how he concludes his gospel, John 21, 25. He says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus was doing good when he was walking the earth. And those three years of, three and a half years of ministry, and Jesus is still doing good today. Here's the thing. Jesus did good personally. He didn't just delegate it. He, you know, he, he didn't just form a benevolence committee and then turn, you know, doing good to one another over to this committee. He didn't just form a, a nonprofit. Nonprofits aren't evil or anything like that, but Jesus didn't just form a nonprofit, get a board of directors together and let good happen that way. Jesus did good himself. He went about doing good. It was personal for Jesus. He did it personally. Second word is went. He went. And this speaks to the willingness of Jesus to do good. Jesus did good willingly. He did it personally, but he did it willingly. Often in his ministry, Jesus went to those, willingly went to those who would not or could not physically come to Jesus. So often in the Gospels, we see it being spoken of by Gospel writers that uh, Jesus saw, that they, that they noticed that he, what he noticed. And John chapter 9, we see one example of this. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. See, Jesus' eyes were actively looking for sinners and sufferers. He was constantly looking. They, they always caught his attention. He was seeking them out. And just kind of a, you know, a cursory run through the Gospel of John, we see the willingness of Jesus over and over and over again where his attention goes. John talked about it this way in John chapter 1. It says he saw the anxious inquirers and, and, and told them to come. There were people who were anxious about knowing who Jesus was, and Jesus invited them to come. In John chapter 5, he saw a man with paralysis, and Jesus went to him, and he, he healed him. In John chapter 6, it says he saw the hungry multitude, and we know that he supplied their need. Over in, in John chapter 11, the Bible tells us he saw the mourners weeping at a cemetery, and that Jesus went, and he, his heart was troubled, and he wept with them and for them. In John 19, it tells us about a distressed mother that Jesus saw. He went, and he cared for her. In John chapter 9, it tells us he, he saw a blind man. And he went and healed him and, and told him that he's the light of the world, that Jesus himself was the light of the world. See, when, when Jesus walked the earth, 
He saw the need and he stepped into it to do good. He went to them willingly. It was in his heart he wanted to. It was his heart to do good to them. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, we see that one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. He saw this man, Simon, Peter, and, and Andrew, his brother. And they were, they were fishermen, and they were just going about their business. And Jesus saw them and invited them to come follow him. What Jesus saw was something deeper than just fishermen. He saw into their heart. He saw longing. He saw potential. He saw the, the, the work of God in these men, and, and, and he invited them. See, Jesus sees into our hearts, and he willingly wants to do good in our lives, to invite us into a better way like he did uh, Peter and Andrew that day, to invite us to come and experience the kingdom of God. He wants to do good in our lives that way too. So we see Jesus, he went, and our next word is about. He, he, he went personally, he went willingly doing good. This word about reminds me that Jesus did good extensively. He, it wasn't just kind of a one and done thing. He wasn't just, you know, so much of our world today, somebody will do one thing good and then they try to blast it out all over social media. You know, they do one good thing, and they want everybody to see this one good thing that they did. And they put it on all, you know, all their platforms out about there. See, Jesus didn't go about doing good for his image. Jesus just did good. Jesus didn't have a publicist. You know, if you go through and you look at the, the, the disciples, none of them are named as a publicist. They, they were, Jesus just went about doing good. He's so different than our world today. But Jesus' whole ministry was marked by doing good so that when we come to this moment in time in Peter's life where he's talking to this Roman uh, you know, captain in the military, this elite fighting force, Jesus, uh, what, what Peter thinks about, what comes to his mind is the good that Jesus did. He did it extensively. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it tells us that Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages Big cities, little villages. He went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus was doing good. He did good in the big capital city of Jerusalem. He did good in the little fishing villages uh, around the Sea of, of Galilee, uh, at like Capernaum. And Jesus didn't just go to Jewish villages, people who were like him, of his heritage. Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee to go to what's called the Decapolis, which is the, the 10 Greek cities in that region. And Jesus went and ministered. He did, he did good there. He, he, he wasn't only focused on doing good to those who were like him. He did good to, to all. He did good extensively. Now, did, did he do good to his closest friends? Yes. Did he good, do good to his family? Yes. But Jesus also did good to those who thought of themselves as his enemies. Those who set their hearts against Jesus. Jesus still did good for them. You think about Jesus hanging on the cross. Suffering, bleeding, dying. Going through this separation from his father for the very first time. And on that cross, those who were crucifying him. The good in his heart 
came out in his words when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Jesus was pouring, he was doing good over them because Jesus, he did good extensively. Cheryl, can you bring that image of the AOA up? Several years back, our elders prayed about where God would have us kind of focus ministry. Now, please hear me say, this doesn't mean that we think we're not supposed to do good anywhere else in Charleston other than this. But this is a unique geography that we've come to understand that we are uniquely responsible for lostness in this area. Now, we, we still want to take the gospel to, you know, every part of the Tri-County area, our state, and around the world. But we have adopted this, and we are trying to be intentional. Our partnership with Oak Brook falls in this AOA, area of accountability for us. And our area of accountability runs from Eagle Creek, which is kind of the northern boundary. Our western boundary is the Ashley River. Our southern and eastern boundary are Dorchester County lines. That's kind of how, how we broke it up. Um, and uh, so that's, that's this area that we're uniquely f- focused on. And it is in our heart to, to, to do this. This is the way we kind of express this. We want to give every man, woman, and child living in our AOA multiple opportunities to see. If you know, the, if you know how to say this, say it with me. To see hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus where they live, work, and play without having to come or go anywhere. That they, they could see. Seeing the gospel lived out is through the good deeds that the gospel bearers do. Seeing the gospel so that they might hear the gospel, so that they might have opportunities to respond to the gospel. And so we need to do good deeds extensively, not just among one another, but in our AOA, right where you live, work, and play as well, in the part of Charleston where you're at. Jesus, he went about doing. He went about doing. What this tells me about Jesus and the good that he did was he did it practically. He did it practically. He did it personally. He did it willingly. He did it extensively, and he did it practically. This is one of the things that I love about Jesus. Jesus got right down into the mess of our lives. He got dirt on his hands. One of the places where that's so evident is in John 9, 6. He was involved in this healing that we read about, and it said, after having said these things, he had spoken to this blind man. It says, he spit on the ground. This is Jesus. He spit on the ground, and he made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Could Jesus have just spoken blindness off of that man? Absolutely. But Jesus was not afraid to get his hands in our mess, to get down in the dirt and brokenness and mire of our sin and our suffering and do good, to touch us right where we are and do good. He did good practically, meeting the actual physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of people. He did good with his own hands. Jesus was a hands-on savior. I love that about Jesus. I think about that moment that the gospels record where this woman was caught in the very act of adultery and she was brought and thrown down in front of Jesus and Jesus practically became her protector. He protected her. 
He became her savior, but he was also her protector. I think about the little children that the gospel records, whose parents wanted, wanted to bring their children to Jesus, and the disciples kind of spurned them away. To, Jesus didn't have time for that. Jesus rebuked them, the disciples. Jesus was available. Jesus put space on his schedule, on his calendar, and the Bible says he took the little children up in his arms. He practically blessed, he practically embraced these little ones. I think about the, the time the gospel records this exhausted dad who had traveled everywhere he knew to go looking for healing for his son. He was exhausted, he was at the end of his rope, he was at the very bottom of his faith. He had almost no faith left. And Jesus met him where he was. Jesus saw him and he understood him. And Jesus practically got in that man's life, healed his son, and restored this father's heart. I think about the outcast lepers that, that Jesus physically touched to bring about healing. He didn't have to do it that way. We've already said that. He could have just spoken over him, but he touched them because they had been disassociated from human touch for so long. The mourners at the seminary Jesus wept with. Jesus went about doing good, hands-on, practically engaged in it. He went about doing good. I want us to think about the good that Jesus did for just a moment. The good Jesus did mattered. And it mattered immediately, and it mattered eternally. It, it mattered immediately, and it mattered eternally. See, the good that Jesus did took, happened, it mattered in the moment, right in the middle of the mess. One of the things that the gospel writers also recorded over and over again, they were struck by how when Jesus did something, things happened immediately. Over and over again, you see that word, Jesus would do something, something would take place immediately. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 is a, is a demonstration. Of that. It said, Jesus said, come follow me to Simon and Andrew. It says, immediately, immediately they left their Jesus saw in their hearts a life that was ripe to step into the kingdom of God. He gave invitation. They went immediately, right in that, that moment. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, we read about it. It says, Jesus stretched out his hand. He touched this paralytic saying that I'm willing to, to cleanse you. And immediately the leprosy fell off and he became clean. See, what Jesus did on earth mattered in the moment. It mattered immediately. It mattered in real life time. And it, right, right in that moment in life needs, he made a difference in the here and now. And Jesus still wants to do that today. For, for you and for me. Whatever your needs are, whatever you're facing, whatever struggle you're having, Jesus wants to, to, to do something about it in the here and now. He's willing to. He wants to do it personally. He'll deal with it, it practically. That's who Jesus is. But the good that Jesus did was not only for the immediate. It also had eternal value. Jesus said this about himself. John records it. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. See, Jesus came to deal with our immediate circumstances, our problems that we face day in and day out. But Jesus knew that our greatest challenge, 
was eternal in nature. In, in 1 John 2, uh, John's writing, he's thinking about this again, and, and the Holy Spirit inspires him. And it says this, and this is what Christ himself promised to give us, eternal life. He promised to give us eternal life. And what that means is we've got to choose to receive it. He's going to give it, but we've got to receive it. He's going to give eternal life. That's what his death on the cross was about. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was on that cross, that God himself took all of the sins of all of humanity and placed them on the body of Christ and that he bore in his body the sins of all humanity. And then the Bible tells us that for anyone, anyone, who would put their trust in Jesus, who would believe that while on that cross, he, he took the sins of all mankind, took your sins, took mine. If we would believe that, believe that when Jesus died, he took him into death and he overcame through the resurrection, conquering death and sin. And the Bible tells us if we will put our trust in that, that we'll be saved, that we'll get to experience this eternal life that Jesus says he gives to those who follow him. He gives eternal life. What he did mattered in that moment. It mattered immediately, but it also matters eternally. And because of that, there's one last thing that I want to share with you about the good that Jesus did. The good that he did should matter to you and me today. It should matter to us today. We began with a verse from, from 1 Peter 2 that God called us to do good and that Jesus is our example, and we need to follow in his steps. Jesus is our example for that. He, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 tells us, do not neglect to do good, sharing what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Friends, our engagement in doing good is central, central to the wonderful plans God has for our lives. Now, we love that verse out of Jeremiah that tells us that God says, I know the plans I have for you. Not for calamity, but for good, for a future and a hope. Don't we love the thought of God having good plans for us? Well, central, essential to God's good plans for us are good works from us to the world. To others. It is central to God's good plan for us that we do good like his, his son. Our, the good works that God has planned. They need to be essential to us and intentional. They need to be a part of our life that way. And what that means is doing good needs to be on your calendar somewhere. You, you need to have a space in your life where you're, you're intending to do good where you're engaged in doing good. Here's, we will not just serendipitously always walk through life doing good. Now, God wants us to do that too. But God wants us to put things on our calendar. He wants us to be intentional about it or we'll miss out and the world will miss out. One of the books that I, I learned so much from was written by, by, by a man by the name of Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the things that Covey said that I thought was just spot on is this. He said, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Schedule your priorities. So here's the question. Currently, right now, what are you intending to do good? Where are you intending to do it? And when are you intending to do it? 
Where is it just part? It's plugged into your head. I am going to this place, and I'm going to try to do good there. Some of you are saying, well, I don't have anything like that, that where I'm regularly trying to do good. How do I get me one of them things, one of those places? Well, here's what I would encourage you to do. First, go to God and pray. And ask God to show you where you have holy discontent. Where, where is it in the world that you look at and think, somebody ought to do something about that? That's where you need to go. Right? That's where you need to go do good. You need to put it on your calendar. I'm going there. I'm going to do good on Tuesday or Friday or whenever. That's, God wants to move you and me that way. He wants to see your world changed and he wants to see you and me changing the world. Where is that in you? The apostle Peter writes these words. He says this, and this is one of the places where we need to do good. Watch this. Be careful how you behave among your unsaved neighbors. Boy, if there's ever been a greater time where we need to be careful of how we're behaving in front of the lost world, it's now. Peter goes on to write, for then, even if they're suspicious of you and talk against you, they will end up praising God for what? For your good works. For when you do something, they'll, they'll praise God for your good works when Christ returns. Here's, this was, if, you, if you've printed out the, the worksheet and guidelines, whatever that thing's called, um, and I, I would add one more. This is my, my closing point. It's not gonna come up on the screen, but it, this would be it. That our goodness should be on mission for his glory. That's what, that's what 1 Peter 2.12 teaches me. Our, our, our goodness, the good works that we would do should be on mission for his glory. Our good deeds are to, to lead others to him. Now, yes, they're multi-purpose. They're, they're to do good for those right then and there, to make a difference in their lives. But there's a greater, a greater mission for any good that we would do, and that is for the glory of God. Don't remember where I heard this, but I think it's worth setting our, our internal clocks by. And it's this. It says, good deeds can lead to good conversations that can lead to the good news about our good, good God. Good deeds can lead to good conversations that can lead to the good news about our good, good God. That's why we do it. Jesus modeled this. Jesus did good, and then Jesus would talk about the kingdom of God. He would talk about his father, what he was truly like. See, doing good is not for us to shine. It's all for the one to whom all glory and honor should be given because he is the only one who is truly good all by himself. There's nothing good in and of us apart from, apart from Christ in us. And the Bible says he went about doing good. And we can too. You can do good at Oak Brook Elementary School. You can do good doing reading buddies. You can do good leaving this space in a moment, walking down the B hallway, getting a teacher's name, and investing in that teacher, blessing that teacher uh, by, by purchasing some of their supplies for them and committing to pray for them by name every week. You could do good that way. You, you could do good at Low Country Cares. 
You could go over and do good in, uh, through a ministry that seeks to, to bless and care for those who are food impoverished, people who are struggling to make ends meet. You, can, you could be a part of making a difference there. You could do good. You could do good at Low Country Crisis Pregnancy Center. I think it's just called the Low Country Pregnancy Center these days, but you, you could go do good there. Lots of opportunities for volunteers, even if what you do is you go and you pray. You just pray for, for their mission. You could do good here in just a couple of weeks um, by showing up to give blood. We're doing a blood drive here on campus in just a couple of weeks. And you could do good by giving, giving life-saving blood to somebody else. How many of you have ever received a blood transfusion? Anybody in here? Don't you thank God for the people who did that? They did good and you received it. A lot of people have, have done that. You can, you can do good through ministries here at River Bluff. You could be a part of the greeter team. You could be part of our security team. You could be part of, of our welcoming team or our hospitality team. Or you could serve in River Kids. There are countless other ways to do good right here on campus. He went about doing good. And we can too. Avery, only because you're here today, we're going to end our service differently. Avery, Avery, Avery never goes to church where they, they, they don't say, and we're going to do things totally different today. It, that's what Avery told me. So we're, we're, going to just, we're going to end the service differently today, only because Avery's here. No, I'm kidding. Um, but we are going to end it differently today. Uh, I'm just going to end it by praying. And I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and then that will conclude our service today. Let me pray. Lord God, we come. We come giving thanks that we have such a marvelous Savior. A Savior who personally, a Savior, savior who willingly, a Savior who extensively, a Savior who, who practically has done good for each of us done it immediately in our lives when we needed him most. When you, we needed you most, Jesus, you, you were there doing good for us. And you are there eternally. For those of us who have put our trust in Christ, your, your word that we read earlier that you promised us eternal life. You promised us that, Jesus. And so we receive it. Jesus, thank you for doing such good for us, in us, to us. And Lord, your word has challenged us to be people who do good, who do good intentionally, who do good spontaneously as you would open those moments, but to be people on mission with you so that our goodness would display your glory, that we would do good gospel deeds so that your kingdom could come near to those far away from you yet, Jesus. So I pray for myself and my friends in this room that we would leave today maybe rededicating ourselves, maybe a new commitment to following the model that you left us, following in your steps, Jesus, to do good, to be on mission, doing good for your glory. Father, I pray your blessings on my brothers and sisters here. 
I pray for your peace to fill their heart and minds. I pray, God, for your power to strengthen all of us in the name of Jesus. I pray for your blood to cover us in such a way that it detaches from our lives any, any assignments that the enemy has made over us, that we would renounce those in the power of the blood of Jesus, and that we would leave this place going out in your name, in your power, in your freedom to do good like you did. To go change the world in your name. To bring you glory, Father. And it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go change the world. I hope to see you soon.